Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. We are awaiting voting on the floor of the House of Representatives uh, for Jim Jordan to be Speaker of the House. Does he have the votes? I don't know necessarily that he does have the votes. It's going to probably be very close, and there's been a strong pressure campaign brought to bear for Jim Jordan by the conservative movement, Kevin McCarthy uh, helping him, which oddly enough has brought out some criticism that this just means that that Jim Jordan is now a um, tool of the establishment. Conservatives, of course, believe that that he's the guy everybody can trust. So here's what I know in the setup so far. We have firm nose. Keep in mind, he can only lose three. Don Bacon, Mike Lawler, Mike Kelly, Carlos Jimenez, Mario uh, Diaz-Balart. They are firm nose on Jim Jordan. Ken Buck, Victoria Spartz, Steve Womack, and Marionette Miller-Meeks are leaning no. Young Kim, John Rutherford, Awan Sikomani, and Tom Keene Jr. are undecided, and Gus Bilirakis is out, which means he can only lose three votes. Normally, it's four for the House GOP, but today it's three because Gus Bilirakis is out, uh, and he's got five firm no's. Ken Buck uh, is a friend of mine. He's the congressman from Colorado. He's leaning no. And the reason he's leaning no is he wants a clear statement from Jim Jordan that Jim Jordan does not believe the 2020 election was stolen. And if he does not get that from Jim Jordan, he intends to vote against Jim Jordan. He wants uh, that uh, clear, clear statement. Now, all of this is to say as well. We don't know how this is going to go. It's very close. He can only lose three, and this is the closest um, that we have gotten to a conservative Speaker of the House. If you go back to 1994 and the Gingrich Revolution and the Republican Revolution that took over the House of Representatives, Newt Gingrich was a conservative icon, and he still is. A lot of conservatives love him. But uh, towards the end of Newt's race, well, let me step back. Uh, Prior to Newt Gingrich becoming uh, the Speaker of the House, a lot of conservatives in Congress at the time criticized Gingrich for backing more moderate members. One of those, ironically, if you go back to the 1990s, was a guy you know. His name's Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe on MSNBC. 
Uh, however moderate or, or liberal he may be now, in the 1990s, Joe Scarborough was a conservative stalwart. Uh, Scarborough was probably the most pro-life member of Congress. So down in Florida, Joe Scarborough was a lawyer, and Scarborough defended pro bono a man who killed an abortion clinic doctor. Scarborough then ran for the U.S. House in the panhandle, and Gingrich got the Republicans in Congress to rally towards a moderate woman who went on to become a Democrat in Florida politics. And um, Scarborough, of course, that left a bitter taste in his mouth at the time, being the conservative pro-life champion. And, and the reason that Gingrich got moderates to line up against him is because they were afraid that him being a pro bono defender of a killer of an abortion doctor would come back to haunt him. Well, he wound up winning, Scarborough did. Along with a number of conservatives that Gingrich opposed, Gingrich's view was that we needed to not alienate Americans. We didn't need these spooky conservatives. When we had moderate conservatives, that was good enough. You fast forward to 1998 and the Republican coup that ousted Gingrich. It was actually the conservatives in the House that ousted Gingrich, not the moderates. The moderates were the ones who had Gingrich's back. Uh, there was the rally to Bob Livingston, but Livingston turns out had committed adultery, so he was ousted, and uh, they finally fell back on, over time, Denny Hastert. Hastert turned out to be a pedophile. We didn't know this until he was out of Congress. After Hastert, you got John Boehner. Boehner was a uh, moderate conservative from Ohio. He had helped with the uh, revolution to push out Gingrich, moderated over time. Uh, Gingrich eventually pushed out. You got Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan stuck around until he decided not to run for Congress again. And that led to uh, Kevin McCarthy being the leader of the House Republicans. Ultimately, when the Democrats lost, uh, he was put in as Speaker of the House painfully, and he didn't last long. McCarthy, more than any of the others, coveted being Speaker relentlessly. Paul Ryan never actually wanted to be Speaker. Paul Ryan uh, actually refused to even stand for Speaker, and they pushed him into doing it. He was the only guy that could make uh, a consensus candidate, so he, he did it. Never liked the job. He wanted to be chairman of the Budget Committee. Paul Ryan was a numbers walk. For all the, the attacks that conservatives give Paul Ryan— uh, for for being somewhat of a moderate, he's actually not that moderate, um, but he's very much a wonk. He's a he's a numbers guy, and he never wanted to be speaker. He became speaker. He stepped aside. It gives rise to Kevin McCarthy, who lasts less than a year. He's ousted, and now we go to Jim Jordan potentially. The vote uh, beginning on the steps or on the floor of the House of Representatives. Now, when John Boehner was Speaker of the House. And conservatives led the coup against Boehner. Originally, conservatives backed a guy named Jeb Hensarling. Jeb Hensarling is the very first member of Congress I ever wrote a check to. Hensarling was a Republican from Texas, very conservative, fiscal conservative guy. I didn't always agree with him on stuff, but but knew his heart was always in the right place. A conservative guy. He was in the Republican Study Committee. He was one of the conservative leaders of the Republican Study Committee with Jim Jordan. Uh, he actually was replaced by Jim Jordan. It went from Pence to Hinsterling to Jordan, and Hinsterling decided to retire. When Jeb Hinsterling retired from Congress, Jim Jordan was the guy conservatives rallied to. Jim Jordan was the guy we wanted to take out Boehner. Jim Jordan was the guy we wanted to take out Paul Ryan. Jim Jordan was the guy we wanted to take out Kevin McCarthy. Jim Jordan was the guy. Now Jim Jordan is the guy. 
The question of the day, however, is can Jim Jordan do it? If Jim Jordan becomes Speaker of the House, it will be the first time conservatives won the fight. If Jim Jordan becomes Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan will not be able to advance a conservative revolution. In fact, a lot of conservatives are going to turn on Jim Jordan very quickly. The reason they will is because conservatives these days have less grace. Conservatives used to understand that they were in the minority of the majority. Conservatives are not the majority of the House House Republican Conference. In fact, uh, conservatives look at the House Freedom Caucus. The real conservatives are a minority of the Republican Party in Congress. If Jordan becomes speaker, he'll be of that minority, and he will have to build bridges with the majority, and the majority isn't really conservative. So conservatives will have to, as my friendship Roy on the radio said yesterday, give some level of grace to Jordan to cut deals that they didn't trust Kevin McCarthy or John Boehner or Paul Ryan or Denny Hastert with. Jordan will inevitably get a number of deals that look like the deals these other men will have gotten, but conservatives will have to trust that Jim Jordan is one of them. His heart's in the right place, his mind is in the right place, and he's trying to lead to the right place, but he just can't get there yet with votes. That's something that uh, Kevin McCarthy didn't have that goodwill. One of Kevin McCarthy's own staff members One of Kevin McCarthy's top advisors on his staff gave an amazing quote a couple of weeks ago. The quote was that Kevin McCarthy's superpower is that he doesn't believe in anything. That was a quote from an employee of Kevin McCarthy's, that his superpower is he doesn't believe in anything. Why is that his superpower? Because Kevin McCarthy is willing to cut whatever deal must be cut to get something done so that he can preserve power. And that superpower was used against him by Matt Gates. Matt Gates structured the ouster of Kevin McCarthy by killing off a conservative spending plan that would have cut the size of government. By killing that plan, he forced McCarthy to cut a deal with the Democrats, and that killed McCarthy. Gates trusts Jordan more. Gates trusts Jordan is intrinsically conservative. Conservatives trust Jordan to be intrinsically conservative. The problem, however, is that Jordan's going to start cutting deals that make him look like the establishment. He's going to have to because conservatives can't get everything done that conservatives want. They have to rely on the moderates. They have to rely on the independent Republicans who may not particularly care for Jim Jordan. So how long will Jim Jordan last? It's probably the case that uh, the conservatives are more willing to push a motion to vacate than the moderates. So he may get more time in the chair than Kevin McCarthy, who's lined up to back him. Part of that, I understand, is that, uh, that Jordan is committed to hiring Kevin McCarthy's staff and keeping them in place. Will that ruffle conservative feathers? But there's another angle here that you got to keep in mind, and it's the more difficult, problematic angle. And it's that Jordan may not be able to get the votes. We're watching this take shape on the floor of the House, and Jordan may not be able to get the votes. I think he can, 
But the reason he may not be able to get the votes is very simple. There are a handful of moderate Republicans in the House of Representatives who firmly believe if they vote for Jim Jordan, they are awarding Matt Gates and Nancy Mace and the other six Republicans, Bob Good and the like, who voted against Kevin McCarthy. They genuinely, firmly believe that to support Jim Jordan, that that's who they, these guys wanted all along, and that to support Jim Jordan is to support Matt Gates in his push to oust Kevin McCarthy. And so they don't want to. They, they do not want to support Jim Jordan because they think essentially it's rewarding the people who provoked the crisis. And so they would rather the crisis continue to fester than to put an end to it because by putting an end to it, they think they're rewarding bad behavior. At this point, though, at this point, here's the reality. At this point, we have a crisis at our border. We have a crisis in the Middle East. We have a crisis in Europe. We're on the verge of a crisis in the South China Sea. Vladimir Putin is in Beijing today hugging Xi Jinping. So the question is, do we put an end to the crisis in the House and get back to governance, or must the moderates now do to the conservatives what the conservatives did to the moderates? I don't know. Time will tell. A quorum is now present in the House of Representatives. Jordan has said there will be no more backdoor votes. There will be no more conference votes. He wants it straight on the floor. He wants people on record. He wants a recorded vote of who's going to support him and who's not. These moderates will have to tip their hand today. Are they no's? And if they're no's, how many votes are they willing to go to hold out before Jordan gives up? Or do they give up first? Can a deal be cut? The deals to be cut are what I predicted to you, by the way. Some of the people who are holdouts say they will continue to hold out unless Jordan funds Ukraine. Some of you don't want that funding. I'm in the camp that thinks we should, but some of you don't. But you should understand that for Jordan to become speaker, one of the deals he may have to cut is to give the funding that the Biden administration wants to Ukraine and additionally give the money to Israel that the Biden administration wants. Jordan's fine with Israel. He's not so fine with Ukraine. He may have to be fine with both if he's going to be speaker of the house. The voting will begin very shortly. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The quorum is present on the floor of the House of Representatives. We're waiting for them to bang the gavel and get things started on this vote for Jordan. We'll keep an eye on this. Uh, A personal note here. Uh, For years and years and years and years, I never had an agent in radio. I never needed an agent. In in fact, uh, Rush Limbaugh really was a friend and mentor and for years told me, nope, um, establish the relationships with the radio company, uh, do the negotiations myself, get familiar with the ins and outs of it. Uh, An agent would just get in the way. Well, when I decided I wanted to do uh, more and go into national syndication, I reached out to Rush and said, I I guess at this point I need an agent. He said, yes, Uh, here's who you need to call, a guy named John McConnell. And so Rush referred me to John McConnell, who is still my agent and now uh, more of a business manager than anything. Well, several years ago, John, uh, was a, he's a cyclist, he's an athlete, and he broke his neck in a cycling accident. Was not expected to ever move again. Uh, what is it, the, the um, C1 vertebrae he broke? 
He was in, immobilized and in traction for a very long time and thankfully got all of his motion back. And as a result of that and the spinal injury, he was put in touch with people at the um, uh, Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation and now is on the board of the Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation, which um, specializes in raising money to research spinal injury and repair of spinal injuries. Well, John, who broke his neck and wasn't expected to ever walk again, is running the New York City Marathon. And he asked me, would I mention this on radio, because he's running to raise money for uh, spinal cord research with the Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation. And I said, sure, I'm happy to mention it. Um, he's, he's trying to raise money for this nonprofit. If you're at all inclined to support the man, uh, and his crazy idea of running the New York City Marathon. Well, you can text the word DONATE to 33777 uh, and support a good cause, uh, one that he has benefited from and lived through. Can't imagine being told you'll never walk again, let alone walking again to the point that you're running the, the New York Marathon. And this is like his seventh marathon now. Uh, so you can text DONATE to 33777. I should get him on to tell that. It was a wild story. Um, good grace. Essentially, he got hit by a car, flipped over his bike handles, landed on the ground, and couldn't move at all. Uh, and now here he is running a marathon all these years later. Now, I also need to tell you about Swiss America. Uh, it is uh, remarkable that 10 regional banks have had their credit downgraded in the past year. I'm sure they will make profits. They'll probably get bailed out. They'll probably get bought by a too-big-to-fail bank. My friends at Swiss America have been sounding the alarm on the state of the economy, what's going on in the secret war on cash, and all-out assault on your freedoms. Soaring interest rates are squeezing the economy. Banks are teetering on collapse. Swiss America can educate you on ways to help protect your hard-earned assets right now. Get their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free by calling or texting my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. Read The Secret War on Cash. You know, you see these signs all the time now. No cash allowed in this business. There's one across the street from my office now. You can't pay cash. Mention Eric Erickson when you call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or call them or text my name, 800-289-2646. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. We are waiting for the House of Representatives to begin voting on Speaker of the House. Jim Jordan can only lose three votes because one Republican's not there. He is supposed to be there later this evening, so the vote drags out. That'll pad his margin. Um, it's a little bit uh, touch and go for Jordan. We'll see if he can overcome these these resistors. Now, I want to say a couple of things here, um, and completely unrelated, but first... I am a, uh, I, I, I gotta, I, I gotta add the preamble because I know how people operate and I know how this works. So here's my preamble. Joe Biden has blood on his hands for the crisis in Israel because by allowing Iran to get $80 billion from China over the last two years for the sale of oil, Joe Biden was complicit in funding Hamas and Hezbollah. Iran could not have funded Hamas to be able to prepare for these attacks, but for Joe Biden allowing Iran to sell the oil. Joe Biden's administration allowed Iran to sell the oil 
because Joe Biden needed to balance supply and demand on the world stage at a time Joe Biden has refused to allow America maximum energy production because of climate change. So, yes, there is a direct non-conspiratorial link between Joe Biden knowingly allowing Iran to do what Iran did with its oil and funding Hamas. As Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, said, Iran always funds terror, and Joe Biden allowed them to do it with the sale of oil, and he could have prevented the sale of oil. He could have blocked Iran from doing this, but now denies that he ever could have. All you had to do is put a couple of uh, U.S. destroyers at the Straits of Hormuz, and they wouldn't have been able to get the oil out. But he wanted to balance supply and demand on the world because he was deeply afraid in 2022 of what super high gas prices would do to him and the Democrats. It was a political calculation. Even now, Joe Biden is allowing President Maduro of Venezuela to also sell oil. We're going to get more terror funded. I say that preamble to say this. God bless Joe Biden for going to Israel tomorrow. Over the last two weeks, he has been clearer and more forthright than some on the right have been about how horrible Hamas is. He has supported Israel's right not just to defend itself, but in Joe Biden's words, to wipe out Hamas, to eradicate Hamas. He has been clear about the horrors that have happened in Israel. He has been clear and condemnatory towards those who deny those things happened. He's been clear on this issue. God bless him. For those of us who are believers, Scripture says you've got to pray for your leaders. You should certainly pay, pray for safe passage for Joe Biden to go to Israel to see Benjamin Netanyahu. The two of them do not like each other. They genuinely do not like each other. And yet he's willing to go to Israel to sit. Now, what comes of the meeting and how he handles it, that's another matter. But God bless the President of the United States in Israel's time of need for getting on Air Force One and flying to Tel Aviv to show an ally we have their back. I appreciate him for doing that, even as I think this situation would not have happened but for so many of his policies. I can criticize him but also praise him. Now, there's another issue, and this is also related to Biden's failures. I want to play for you this audio. This is my friend Griff Jenkins from Fox News at the southern border. National correspondent Griff Jenkins, who gets us up to speed on these very serious concerns at our border in Eagle Pass, Texas. Hi, Griff. That's right. Good afternoon, Martha. And you talk about that terrorist screening database, the terror watch list, as it's referred to. CBP sources confirmed to Fox News that in the first 14 days of this fiscal year, which began on October 1st, there have been at least two known instances of Iranian migrants being apprehended who hit that terror watch list, meaning they potentially have ties to terrorism and could potentially pose a serious national security risk to the homeland. You're looking like Live now from our drone, a group of about 50 migrants that have arrived here. Literally, Martha, just in the last 15 or 20 minutes, they'll be processed by the agents. And under that bridge, we are watching these migrants being processed. This is 90% of this Border Patrol workforce shift. And that leaves 50 to 60 miles of this border area along the Rio Grande River unpatrolled because all of the agents have to process these migrants. Now, on Sunday morning, around 3 a.m., 
Kim, another Iranian migrant, was apprehended right where we are, along with, on Thursday evening, two Lebanese men in their 20s. Those are all special interest aliens. They undergo heavy scrutiny, but the reality is we don't fully know who they are because we don't have intelligence sharing operations with those countries. Finally, I'll leave you with the numbers we've had in these first 14 days. You mentioned more than 30 Iranians, nearly 60 Syrians, 35 from Pakistan, more than 285 from Afghanistan, and nearly 2,000 Chinese migrants. Y'all, we got a problem. The border between the United States and Mexico is 1,954 miles, more or less. More than 300 million people, 90 million cars and 4.3 million trucks go through the border every year. It is the busiest border in the world. Since NAFTA was signed in the 90s, the increase has gone up about 50%. It is a massive, massive border with a massive number of people who cross it. It stretches through desert and river and mountain, rural areas, urban areas, farmland. And it is not all secured. It's not all secured. Parts of it, there are border walls. But in a lot of it, they rely on the terrain to be inhospitable. You know who is trained to deal with inhospitable territory? Special forces. And not just of the United States of America. Let me tell you a pattern that we've seen at our southern border. It's a pattern that goes back all the way to the Bush administration. It's not just Biden. It's not Trump. It's not Obama. It didn't stop during Trump. It didn't stop during Obama or Biden. It hasn't stopped. It's been going on for quite a while. What happens is the coyotes hired by the drug cartels, the coyotes are the people hired to get people across the border. The coyotes cause a disturbance. They send people across the border. They send them into the wilderness, into the wilds where no one is, but they know through their intelligence it's where the Border Patrol is. So they send a large number of people across the border into the wilds of southern Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, where the border wall is not and where the barrier is land and mountain and rugged terrain. And they know the Border Patrol is out there waiting and they send a pile of people, a mass of people, a swarm of people across the border into the arms of the Border Patrol. And given the number of people, the Border Patrol calls in more resources. So more resources show up to process the mass number of people. And once all the Border Patrol agents get there, further down the line or further up the Rio Grande, the cartels send more people across. This time, a handful, not dozens not hundreds, just a handful.
with backpacks, with weapons and drugs. And because the Border Patrol is overwhelmed by the large number the coyotes had sent downstream, they're not there for those who go in upstream. And they get away into the night. We know this happens. We catch them on surveillance cameras. My buddy Chip Roy, who was on my program yesterday, congressman from Texas, has told the story a couple of times of, of this happening. And when the people get across the border who are not detained, who are not captured, who are going off into the night, they shoot up flares or fire guns so the Border Patrol knows some people have gotten away. Two Iranians who were flagged in the terror list have been detected at the border in the last 48 hours. We've had Lebanese, Afghanis, Iranians, Iraqis, Yemeni, Chinese, Russians. Those are the ones we caught. How many have gotten away? How many have gotten away? We have no idea. We estimate about 500,000 people have crossed the border undetected and gotten away in the last two years. 500,000. That's an army. Now, most of them are just people who are lucky enough to get away. Some of them drug dealers. But all you need is a handful of them to be in militaries to be terrorists, to mean no good, no, no, no goodwill to the United States, to know how to take out the power grid, to be carrying plastic explosives, to be able to lay in wait sleeper cells waiting for a signal to act. This isn't far-fetched. Kevin McCarthy has warned about it. The FBI director has warned about it. The Biden administration knows it's true and refuses to do anything about it. This is a national security issue. It is the polling question that Biden performs worse on than, than anything else. Only 24% of Americans support what Joe Biden is doing to secure the border because he's not securing the border. Only 24% of Americans like his handling of the border. He has opened us up to vulnerability. And God forbid an attack come. It'll mean the end of the Biden presidency. It will. Democrats will cover for him, but it'll mean the end of the Biden presidency. And as much as I would like to end the Biden presidency, I don't want to end it that way. With the death of Americans, the destruction of our infrastructure by terrorists who sneak across the border, that'd be terrible. But it's a very real possibility. I don't say this to freak you out. I don't say this to panic you. I don't say this to be a conspiracist. I say this to be a realist. There are real implications to an unsecured border. And two Iranians in the past 48 hours who were on the terror list have been detained. How many got away? We don't know. And that this administration refuses to take the matter seriously, they treat it as a political football instead of a national security liability, is really troubling. And it's something that we need to keep talking about and paying attention to and remind voters that the decisions of the American public as to who they put in the White House, they matter greatly. Now, 
your decisions on what you do around your house matter greatly as well. They can affect you and the quality of your air. Like, for example, do you have an Eden Pure Thunderstorm to be able to clean the air in your house, to get rid of odors in your house? The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it works. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code you put in on the front page of the site is just my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You'll get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement, your RV, your travel bag. It's slightly bigger than your hand. It plugs into the wall or with a USB cord in your car, and it eliminates odors. So it gets rid of smoke odors. It gets rid of litter box odors. It gets rid of wet dog odors. It gets rid of all the pet odors and smoke odors. It gets rid of the cooking odors, the musty odors. I keep one in my travel bag when I travel. If someone smoked in a rental car or a hotel room, I can wipe out those odors with it. It works. Get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You put that in, you'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. Start cleaning the air in your house today. Not only does it eliminate odors, it gets rid of the dust and the pollen as well. It's an air purifier. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code Eric, E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, buying out a competitor, First Liberty, that's the sort of deals they do. If you need $250,000 or more to make it happen, reach out to them. They make their own lending decisions. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, Pete Aguilar, Democratic congressman. He is just wrapping up his speech for... Um, for Hakeem Jeffries, his nomination speech, he took a lot longer than Elise Stefanik. Let's get to some audio here. This is live from the floor of the House. The Democrats standing and applauding Pete Aguilar for his nomination of Jeffries. The speech went on and on and on. Now this is Patrick McHenry, Speaker Pro Tem. The gentleman yields back. Happening the now. Name, the names of the Honorable Jim Jordan, a representative from the state of Ohio, and the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries, a representative from the state of New York, have been placed in nomination. Are there further nominations? There being no further nominations, the chair appoints the following tellers. The gentleman from Wisconsin, Mr. Stile. The gentleman from New York, Mr. Morelli. The gentleman from Georgia, Mr. Loudermilk. The gentlewoman from Alabama, Ms. Sewell. The tellers will come forward and take their seats at the desk in front of the speaker's rostrum. So now they will have the vote. The House will choose between Jordan and Jeffries. What's so interesting here is that one of them has to win a majority. You got six Republicans saying no. If any of them vote present, that hands the majority vote to Jeffries by virtue of their voting president instead of yay or nay. So the Republicans, particularly those opposed to Jordan, have a very difficult path to navigate when it comes time to picking votes and the like. Um, these, they have House members who sit at the front and tally the votes and hand them to the clerk. This is beginning to happen. The House of Representatives here just before 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, October 17th, voting for a new Speaker of the House of Representatives. Jim Jordan convinced he can win this out on the floor, despite having six Republicans who have said absolutely not. He can only lose three right now. He's got six say no. Will the six hold? We're not exactly sure. That's what makes this so interesting. No one really legitimately knows the outcome of this vote 
in the House of Representatives today. The man standing up about to speak, Patrick McHenry, the Speaker pro tem, he's the odds-on favor to become the Speaker if Jim Jordan fails. He'll be the consensus candidate to get them through a time of crisis. His friends have already floated the idea that maybe just perhaps make him Speaker for three months and we can do this all over again once we get through a government shutdown and funding of Ukraine and, and Israel. One thing you need to know is that according to multiple members of the House Republican Conference, Jim Jordan promised he would fund Ukraine if he became Speaker. Late yesterday, he waffled on that publicly with reporters, which cost him a couple of votes. They went back into the no camp. We'll see if he was able to get them back, if he says he was just talking to the press or whatever excuse he made. But happening right now, the House of Representatives has convened. All the Democrats are there. All but one Republican are there to begin the vote for Jim Jordan or Hakeem Jeffries to be the next Speaker of the House. Democrats in the process of nominating Hakeem Jeffries ridiculed the process, ridiculed them having to be there for it, ridiculed the whole idea of this being a nonsensical farce at a time of crisis. They're trying to make a case to the American public that the Republicans have gotten us into a time of crisis. The problem for the Democrats, of course, is that the public believes the Democrats have gotten us into a time of crisis, particularly economically. And as much as the Democrats may try to say that inflation is better and the economy's improved, Americans do not feel it. In fact, the Wall Street Journal today pointing out the, the worst performing stocks in America right now are consumer staples. Uh, Heinz, for example, Kraft, uh, grocery store stocks, things that should be doing okay in times of okay but do bad in times of recession. It's starting to look like a recession among those stocks on Wall Street. When we come back, what's about to happen in Israel? It's going to get bad before it gets better. 